Analex 2.16. <clears throat> the Master said, to be accomplished in some heterodox doctrine will only bring harm. This one's a hard one. Uh, this one can be translated a different number of ways. If you look at the original Chinese, aside from referring to Confucius, there's literally eight characters. So with those eight characters, and ancient Chinese does not have uh, grammar parts that make the interpretation a lot smoother, because of this, you can come out with a lot of possible interpretations. So another way of looking at this and translating it is that if you start from the wrong starting point, it will lead you to nothing but harm. So that's another way to look at this. So let's talk about various ways that you can understand what this means. So you can think about this from the viewpoint of heterodox doctrine. What this would be, uh, what this could refer to is perhaps something like Taoism or the teaching of Yang Zhu. Um, and by Taoism, I mean more of a uh, proto-Taoism. Uh, but the Taoism uh, that comes out later that is criticized as being heterodox, that's a little different from what existed during Confucius's time. So if we're talking about the Taoism of, say, Zhuangzi, that's a very uh, different thing than what was discussed back then. And the interesting thing about Taoists is that they do claim to teach about the Tao, and Confucius and the Confucians do use the term Tao, but it means very different things. But they both claim to know the true Tao. So Taoism, don't get caught up in the brand name of, of Taoism. Taoism is a philosophy that by the time we get to Zhuangzi can be described as essentially saying that morality isn't really objective. And it's a very individualistic kind of morality that we might find some commonality with today's times and how people think today. But Taoism uh, is pretty interesting. Um, we can talk about Taoism a bit. Taoism teaches a person to be very flexible. And that's a word that I have been trying to avoid when talking about appropriateness. When I talk about E and I talk about, uh, I can talk about deference. I can talk about respect. I can talk about proper application, but I don't want to say flexibility because Flexibility implies that you are doing away with E, morality. And so if you look at what is considered Taoism today, if you look at the teachings that we find in the Zhuangzi and 
and the Laozi, uh, the Tao Te Ching, what we find is a compilation of essays written by different people. And you also, in order to understand this philosophy, need to understand the historical context that Taoism comes out of. And the historical context is primarily the Qin Dynasty and pockets of history wherein government is exercising a lot of control over people. And the Qin is a good example of this because the Qin take everybody's books, gathers them, preserves exactly one copy in their own library at the royal libraries, and then they destroy the rest. Well, it turns out that library accidentally gets set on fire, and now a lot of these books have been lost to history. We don't have those copies anymore, including the book of music, which is very important for Confucians. That is lost. So we don't know what the melodies are of the Zhou dynasty. That has been lost. Fortunately, with some of these other books, Confucians, and likely others, did preserve them. And the way they preserved them was they took the copies of the books, they put them in a chest, they buried them deep underneath the ground, and so there were no copies that were accessible. And then when the Qin Dynasty did fall, then they could dig up these texts again and then refer to them. Of course, I want to point out that texts don't do that much by themselves. They sit in the library and collect dust. If there's no person around to properly understand, interpret, and apply those texts to be able to teach others. In other words, the, the understanding needs to be a living understanding. It cannot just be a bunch of words printed on a bunch of papers between front and back covers and stuffed in between many other books. And that's why Rekindled Radiance is important. It's important because this is a way to keep the teaching and the understanding and the wisdom alive. So Taoism is a reaction to this kind of oppressive situation. And so what we find in Taoism is a lot of exhortations to the ruler to not use force, to not use law and punishment, but instead to work on his own mentality and through these sorts of non-coercive ways change society. And so this phrase Wu Wei is very central to Taoist texts in the Tao Te Ching. However, by the time you get to the Zhuangzi, and remember these texts are not necessarily written by one single person. <clears throat> the Tao Te Ching is attributed to somebody named Lao Tzu, but Lao Tzu literally means old master. And the stories about him are patently mythological. For example, Lao Tzu is born already as an old man with a completely long white beard. 
this I think is a very obvious indication that there is no one author of the Tao Te Ching and instead it's a collection of essays of thinkers who go around similar ideas. And you can also tell this because there's some inconsistency in the text among the different ideas. For example, one part of, uh, I believe it's the Tao Te Ching, if not, it's the Zhuangzi, but one part in, in these texts, somebody writes, people are born loving their parents, and people are born being under the authority uh, with those who govern them. And I'm paraphrasing here, but is the understanding is that uh, that one gets by reading this is that it's something that you cannot really avoid. It is something that you're just simply born with. And I think that's true that people are born loving their parents. There's no such thing as a child who has no affection or tie to their parents. Now over time, the nature of that affection or tie can change. Uh, over time, some people can end up becoming unhappy with their parents, even detesting their parents or they could begin to forget about their parents. But even with those who are adopted, when they find out they can find out who their biological parents are, there's a still a part of them that's intensely curious, that wants to find out. And so there's something of a inner struggle that happens once they do find out they can find out, meet who their biological parents are. So, why does that go against the general ideas or seem to conflict with the general ideas? Well, Zhuangzi, there's a story about Zhuangzi that uh, where his wife has passed away a week before, but at this point he's singing and cleaning in the bathtub as if nothing had happened. And one of his friends is, of course, shocked at this. And Zhuangzi says, to paraphrase, basically he had a wife, but she's not there anymore, and he doesn't need to feel attached to this person because she has left. And that's a very different mentality than remembering and grieving over your parents for three years after they pass. That's a very different kind of mentality. So this whole um, live and let go and be flexible, don't insist on anything, there is no such thing as objective morality. We do see a lot of that, especially in the Zhuangzi, not as much in the Tao Te Ching, but there are certainly at least traces of that kind of thinking there. So all of this is in response to very coercive governing where a lot of punishment and violence is being used to force people to do certain things and not do certain other things. So that's a historical context there. And if you are accomplished in that, and that's your main way of looking at the world, there are problems with that kind of way of life. You don't know whether you can really adapt yourself like this. Everybody innately believes in some kind of morality. So even those who say don't judge other people, ultimately they are hypocrites. 
because they do judge other people. Even the statement, don't judge somebody else. That is a judgment. You are making a moral statement when you say that. It's wrong to judge other people. It's wrong, that means it's a moral statement. So the very idea that people should not judge, that morality does not exist, ends up in some sort of logical self-contradiction or some sort of hypocrisy. Now, Yang Zhu, we don't know too much about him today, but Mencius characterizes him as advocating a very strong individualistic sense in contrast to Mohism uh, or Mozu, that's the teacher of Mohism. And Mozu is somebody who believes in full equality and that you should love the stranger as much as you love yourself and your parents. Uh, so in a sense, that's kind of the opposite extreme of what we, uh, what Mencius says Yang Tzu teaches. And the problem with uh, these two are discussed in other lecture series. So those are some examples of teaching that can be considered heterodox. And, he, and so this can be interpreted. If you study the wrong philosophy and you become accomplished in it, it will bring you nothing but harm. Why? Because they're false. Even though they contain some gems of truth, overall, this is the incorrect way. So it's like trying to get north, but you end up going east because you think that is north. That's how much of a difference it makes. So some parts of that path can go north, but overall, you're going the wrong direction. So that is something that you could uh, interpret this to, to mean. And it's not that you can't be aware of these philosophies and know them to some degree. The problem is that you become accomplished in it. You are a master of it. Because if you are a master of it, you are accomplished in it, it means that you've taken all this time to study it and you actually begin to believe it. It's hard to master something without actually believing that it is true. It's extremely difficult, if not actually impossible. So those who master, for example, let's take some modern examples of heterodoxy, Marxism or feminism or, uh, you know, anything else that you can think of that isn't the Tao, the Confucian Tao. The problem isn't that there's those things are completely false. Marx does make some good criticisms about the nature of capitalism and feminism can point out where it is unjustly being unfair. But the overall direction, the overall philosophy, don't try to master it. Just take, just look at the gems and use them for how beneficial they are. Instead, look at the Tao and that is the thing that you should master. So you master the Tao, 
you can look at Marx and you can say, okay, he's right about some things, but other things he's completely wrong. You can do the same, same thing about feminism. You can do the same thing about the ideals of liberal democracy or the European Enlightenment, etc. But you have to have the correct framework. The overall framework needs to be correct for you to be able to judge whether or not these various aspects of these philosophies are correct or not. So you need to have that framework. The wrong starting points is something that you could also interpret this statement as including. So working from the wrong starting points will lead to nothing but harm. The wrong starting points might be the incorrect assumptions. So if you assume that there are no non-physical differences between men and women, this is operating from the wrong starting point. If you believe that human beings merely want materialistic things, this is also operating from the wrong starting point. So your assumptions matter. So this is one way to understand this statement. Be careful about your premises. Otherwise, your conclusions, even though you're being very logical about, about your argumentation, your conclusions will be false. So to take a mathematical analogy, if you believe that parallel lines intersect, your geometry is going to be incorrect. If you say that 3 times 3 equals 10, then your math is going to be, your, your arithmetic is going to be incorrect and so forth. So your, your, that's what a premise is, is what your starting points are. Lastly, you can look at this, you can interpret this as uh, working from the wrong starting point um, is not so much about what premises you use, but uh, are you looking at the big, at the uh, correct DAO, or are you getting caught up on these small, minor understandings? And again, you could um, you can kind of use the uh, you can use the example of Marx Marxism here as well, because today if you go to a standard university all these professors are in love with Marx. And I think that's rather bizarre. And there's some other philosophers too, like Michel Foucault. They'll really like these people. And uh, Foucault is actually probably a, a great example because Foucault in his own description of himself says that he is simply putting together a toolbox for uh, dissecting and understanding, in other words, deconstructing certain sociological phenomena. In other words, he's not intending to give you a big picture philosophy. That's not what his goal is. So what he says about the nature of power or the uh, way that we understand mental illness and how that relates uh, to, to power, that is not supposed to replace an entire fundamental understanding of power. It's simply a minor tool, like one of the screwdrivers in your tool set. 
So you have a few of these tools. They may or may not come in handy depending on your situation. So he's not trying to come up with a, a, a DAO. He's not trying to do that. Um, and Marx, he's good at criticizing capitalism and he tries to work at some sort of solution. He tries to figure out a way to predict the future. Uh, but again, can this really be a large DAO? No, because the DAO needs to go and address fundamental truths about what are human beings like? How do we get to harmony and order within society? What makes human beings happy and how can we obtain these things? Those big questions need to be answered. And if you want a systematic way to go through these questions, if you are of a more of a standard philosopher um, and you want somebody who writes lengthy essays, you want to go over to the get a copy of the Shunzi and go over and follow that lecture series as well. Because Shunzi makes it a lot more clear than either Confucius or Mencius how everything relates and gives you a very good big picture understanding of the Tao of the Ru of Confucianism. So you don't want to mistake these minor Tao's, these minor teachings, these minor understandings for the Tao, the Tao of Confucianism. So in learning, what you want to do is you want to adhere to the Tao, you want to master the Tao. You don't want to spend time mastering some incorrect understanding because not only will that end up becoming a big waste of time, but two, in order to master it, you will start to be persuaded by something that isn't really fundamentally true and does not give you the big picture. And then two, you don't want to replace a big, a, a, a great understanding with some sort of minute understanding. So those of you out there who are that you are you are big fans of Karl Marx, the writings of Karl Marx, or the writings of Michel Foucault, etc., etc. You are going to harm your own life, not just your understanding, your own life, if this is all you follow. You need to have the big picture understanding. You need to follow the Tao. You need to master the Tao. Only then can you properly contextualize and properly weigh and appropriately value the, the worth of these other teachings. So if you get anything from 2.16, it is don't get distracted by these lesser teachings that are, uh, that are impure because they are not addressing fundamental truths go to the Tao of Confucius, go to the Tao of the Ru, which will give you a honest and true understanding of the fundamental truths. And therefore you can build a way of life that will make you happy, moral, and virtuous.